Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green, welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Hey there. No, this program does not air on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. I just haven't fixed the recording yet. Well, we haven't fixed the recording yet. No, it's Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time now. Um, And... Well, that time seems to be working out pretty well. Hope it's working out for our parents' panel because that's what we're doing today. The parents' panel on the first Monday of every month here on Parenting Your Challenging Child. So we have Susie and Kathy back with us again. I'll bring them on the air momentarily. Um, But parent panel days are a great day to call in, uh, 347-994. 2981. The advantage of calling in on a parents' panel day is that you have the advantage of not only having me weigh in, but also having our parents' panel members weigh in. Um, let's bring them on the air now. Once again, 347 994 2981. Susie, how are you today? Good, thanks, Dr. Green. How are you? I am well. Not that these things matter, but. I know that you live in upstate New York and that last day was a hard day for football fans in upstate New York. Very difficult I don't, day. I don't think we need to say anything more than that. Um, <laughs> uh, enough said, don't you agree? Agreed. Kathy, how are you today? I'm great. Dr. Green, how are you? I'm well. Um are you a football fan, Kathy? I'm not, so I'm even clueless as to what happened yesterday. So, Well, you know, just to bring you into the loop here, the New England Patriots played the Buffalo Bills yesterday in Buffalo, and um, while it looked quite good for the Buffalo Bills midway through the third period in the game, it went downhill rapidly after that, and so... The Patriots won rather handily. That's what we're talking about. But the okay. good news is, well, I didn't get a chance to check my paper this morning so that I would be informed. But um, I think you are okay. in much better shape for not knowing anything about this and not 
having to waste your time worrying about it. <laughs> but I have to say congratulations, Dr. Green, on your team's winning. Well, you know, we don't take these things too seriously, mostly because there are so many more important things to be talking about including and thinking about, including on this program, um, way more important things than um, who won a football game. Um, football games fall into the power struggle category, and that's why football players and coaches, coaches use um, terminology that is related to power to explain why they prevailed or succumbed. And, of course, that isn't what collaborative problem-solving is about at all. So, you know, I guess for entertainment purposes, uh, football games are great, but for solving problems in real life, um, football games don't really give us many of the answers that we're looking for. My bet is that you both would agree. So we always start this program by asking our parents panel members. I, I actually have something today that I wanted to bring into the discussion, but um, I'm happy to always go last, especially uh, in uh, deference to our parents' panel members. So let me ask you both, anything that you badly want to talk about today? Well, this is Kathy. I um, am going through a, a time with my challenging uh son who is actually doing very well um i'm trying to prepare him to go on an outing uh with his former school district he is now in an out of district placement and he has expressed interest in um participating in their outdoors club which his his good friend is a member of and the school district is is hasn't really had him do anything with them for four years, and so they're concerned that he will show out-of-control behavior on the hike. And um, we're trying to um, prepare him for, you know, what's expected, but also to um, keep our parental uh, presence in the background. So we're trying to have one of his teachers from his current school go um, as a chaperone on the first trip, and then people won't even know who she is because he's 13 and it just would not be okay to have mom or dad tagging along on this trip and and he's like why can't i just go you know they're they're stupid um so that's what we're working on interesting tell me was he uh, is he okay with having the teacher go uh, it sounds like he would prefer nobody he would prefer um, nobody um, but they will not let him go without somebody who knows him. And isn't it interesting that they are, of course, they haven't, sounds like they haven't seen him in four years, so they're still remembering the kid who was. Um, how how right. much risk do you think there is? What's what's your sense of the risk of him losing it on the trip? Well, he, um, we did have to go through due process last fall and uh, to get him his current placement. And so he, um, his answer to any problem that, that occurs with them is we'll just sue them. So um, if he did lose it, there is a residual anger there that his parents had to go through this whole mess to get him where he is. Um, I, 
don't see that they've had a lot of success in dealing with challenging kids like him. I've seen it with other families. So I'm concerned that they could escalate him. Um, And I, I don't want to get into a power struggle with the school either, with the district, over whether somebody goes or not. I'm... I uh, I would prefer somebody to be there, but just in the background. Who who's who initiated him going? Him? He did. He wants to go, and that's so the first sign that he's trip. had. Go ahead, sorry. That's the first sign that he's had in wanting to do anything uh, related to the school, and and he said, "Just make sure they know I'm not transitioning back. This is just the outing club." Mm-hmm. And um, so, number one, I think it sounds like it's probably uh, appropriate to interpret him wanting to go as a good sign. Yes. Yes. And um, so, I guess the the big issue is, it sounds like you've know them from four years ago as well. They know him from four years ago. Sounds like people are a little bit nervous about the worst that could happen, uh, including you. It sounds like you're a little worried that they will uh, interact with him in a way that could potentially make things worse. Um, sounds like your solution is to have somebody from his current school go. His solution, of course, is to have nobody go. But I think that this is what I think um, it's possible that the concerns of the different parties aren't on the table quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the school presumably has legitimate concerns. They are not terribly interested in having him lose it on this field trip. Um, no, and they also looking. know that we would be all over them, too, if they they didn't act appropriately, too. So, so they're, they're, a little, uh, they're a little leery of the possibilities yeah. here. Um, you're a little leery of the possibilities as it relates to how they uh, might interact with him. Any, uh, it's, so this sounds like uh, the, the absolute perfect setup for collaborative problem solving to occur. Um, but that would require, it sounds like, a pre-trip meeting of the minds to get the concerns of the different parties on the table so that the uh, – Tell me, does this? It does, so it sounds like the empathy step hasn't occurred yet, nor the define the problem step. Um, sounds like uh, solutions are being proposed, but the concerns of the different parties haven't necessarily been right. thrown into the hopper yet. Um, do, what's there aside from the fact that they are concerned that he could potentially lose it, like he would have four years ago? Um, any other concerns that they have about things that might precipitate that? What what are you and them concerned could set in motion a difficult episode. Uh, what do you foresee? This is a hike, it sounds like? It's a hike up a uh, uh, a mountain, and apparently it is um, not perilous, but um, there are peaks and things like that, so they're concerned that he might um, go too close to the edge or not listen to adult directives. Um, when he was in their school in the past, you know, he would spiral um, out of control and maybe would climb um, a tree or climb the, the um, a door jam or something like that. 
you know, in response to to ever increasing authoritarian kind of challenging Plan A, you know, uh, language, and then they wouldn't see that that would get him more and more escalated. So I, I think they're concerned that he might be unsafe there with the physical challenges of the climb as well as possibly some other kids saying, hey, you got thrown out of this school system. What are you doing here? Or, you know, any kind of bullying um, that might occur. Or I don't know whether it's bullying. I know we talked about that word the last time. But any kind of, you know, remarks from other kids about why is he here, that kind of thing. Got it. And so um, it would be good. So Now, so let me ask you this. Those might be their concerns. Any of those concerns and of course we haven't heard them yet, and so we're breaking one of the cardinal rules potentially of collaborative problem-solving here, which is we don't want to assume what their concerns are. I guess it's possible that you've heard those concerns directly already, but do you think any of those, do any of those resonate with you? Do you think that those are potential risks or are those things that you think are very low odds of happening here four years later since when they last knew him? Um, I think as far as the safety issues, he's way um, in a much, much better place as far as um, not um, climbing on things or going too close to the edge, that sort of thing. But at the same time, um, it, it depends on having somebody that knows him. I mean, when I'm with him, I used to just say parking lot if we were in a parking lot and he wasn't paying attention. I would just say that one word, to make him aware, wouldn't grab him. You know, he was old for that, but it would just sort of have an awareness. I don't know if they have those skills yet to just say, you know, too close to edge or something, where it's not even really calling it out, but it's just a, like an attention yeah. kind of thing. And, and, and I don't know what the other kids will do. That That is a variable that concerns me because I have seen people in the community um, – stare and point at him um they at at uh you know community events such as a fair and, and that sort of thing and i tend to notice that much more than he does but um he has been told by some kids in our neighborhood oh you got thrown out of that school and he he responded very well and said no actually they didn't treat me very well so i didn't stay there so that might be your biggest concern is what how he would respond to kids potentially giving him a hard time. Right. That, that does sound like this is sort of the perfect scenario for people to put their concerns on the table and come up with solutions that would address those concerns, um, including him, because we want to make sure that whatever solution is in place, uh, and the truth is he may have some concerns too that, um, none of us know about as it relates to what could go down on this hiking trip that he wants to badly go on. Um, he may not, uh, given the type of kid who you've described that he is already, it's not completely certain that he's the type who'd be anticipating the difficulties, and so it wouldn't be tragic to have him think about things that he may not even be thinking about yet That, in terms of what could go badly. That doesn't sound like... It would be a bad thing for him. But the stage is certainly set. I just uh, would hate to see people coming up with solutions before the concerns of the different parties are well known, just because I often see that 
not address the concerns that there really are because the concerns that there really are weren't known yet. Um, any hope of you and the folks at school and your son getting together to try to plan for how to help this go as well as possible? Well, um, there's a couple of things. There's um, a meeting tomorrow where he's just going to go to the outing club meeting, um, and hopefully a friend will be able to, the friend who is part of the club will be able to meet him at the door and just go with him to the meeting. Um, so that's a 15-minute meeting, not a lot of high risk, you know, which would um, give everybody a chance to meet each other, and that's just a short thing. And between then and the hike, there's another um, 10 days or so um, that we could have a follow-up meeting. Well, and the good news is you'll get some info based on how those 15 minutes go. Right. You'll have at least some information about uh, how things are going with him re-entering this group of kids. Um, but I, I, uh, my, my recommendation is that you use those 10 days in the interim after you have the information about how it went to see if um, people there's a mechanism for you and him and the school folks to sit down and see if you can come up with solutions that will um, help this go as well as possible once the concerns of the different parties are known. Okay. Sounds that like sounds the perfect we, setup. We also it. have some uh, training planned um, with an outside provider on collaborative problem solving, which his current school placement is going to attend, and I asked the two teachers that are part of the outing club if they would be available to attend. Great. For the training, and they said that they would um, check their schedules, but, uh, you know, I'm going to strongly suggest that they go because really if we're not all talking about the same thing, it's hard. Very hard. And just remember, I I did this probably preaching to the choir, um, getting them trained is fabulous. Having them try to this is this is the perfect example of a highly predictable unsolved problem. Um, yes, it would be great for them to know about him and how they can help him if he should start losing it on the hiking trip. But even better for them to know what to do and how to do it before the hiking trip, so they can actually sit down and have an exchange with him to try to deal with it ahead of time. That's always far preferable, as you know. Right, right. So keep us posted. It sounds like this is going to happen before our next parents panel. So you'll have to to let us know how it went and if collaborative problem solving played a role in helping it go well. Okay. (laughs) Good deal. Susie, anything on your mind today? Um, I do. Besides, you know, the thing that we're not talking about. (laughs) Well, somehow I'll just have to muddle through that. Um, Let me know if you need help. <laughs> yeah, I got your number. <laughs> um, I I do have uh, something, but you had mentioned that there was something that you wanted to discuss, so I could go either way. Let, let's start with you, and we'll keep me in reserve. We'll right. we'll see what we how much time we have left when the time comes. I always like to, you know, I'm on this program every week but so i like to let, defer to our parents panel members if they've got something okay um 
I first of all just wanted to mention that I had a chance to listen to the mental health issues program from September, your interview with, I believe it was Richard Ross, who's a photographer and researcher, and it was just a really important conversation, very sobering, Um, and for those who haven't had a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend it. And that's Thank you on for the plug. Mondays at 2 o'clock, right? Yeah, and there's one today. Um, and we have Dr. George Holden today, who has been very active in the movement to abolish corporal punishment. Um, so another great and very knowledgeable about what goes on in that realm. So, yes, that's today. The, the one that you're talking about is the one that's archived on the Lives in the Balance website. Um, yeah. As soon as today's program happens, it will take the place of the one that's on the homepage right now. The the most recent programs are now being posted on the homepage of the Lives in the Balance website so people can easily access the ones that have occurred most recently. But I'm very much uh, – but I think that the program with Richard Ross, who, by the way – is also one of the keynote speakers for the forthcoming Lives in the Balance conference, the second annual Lives in the Balance conference that's taking place in Portland, Maine, on November 16th. Um, And this year's conference is featuring, as long as you've got me going here, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, staff from the schools in Maine that are participating in a project funded by the Maine Juvenile Justice Advisory Group in which collaborative problem-solving is being implemented in 14 different schools geographically distributed throughout the state, and they're going to be reporting on their data, and um, the whole thing should be rather poignant. But both Richard Ross, who um, will be showing us photos from his work in juvenile prisons, and if the word you mentioned was sobering, I think that's the right word, tells us just how high the stakes are. Um, and Barry Studley, who's the Associate Commissioner for Juvenile Corrections in the Department of Corrections in the state of Maine, Juvenile Services, um, he'll be following Richard Ross um, to tell people about all the incredible things that are going on in the juvenile detention system in the state of Maine that has, in my opinion, made that system one of the shining jewels of juvenile detention uh, in the world. Um, and he'll be following Richard Ross so not only are we going to be hearing from the schools in the project funded by the Juvenile Justice Advisory Group, we're going to be hearing from two fabulous keynote speakers who are going to be reminding us of just how important the work we do with behaviorally challenging kids really is. But So thank you for getting me started on that. It sounds great. It's, uh, uh, it's going to be a great conference. I, I just wanted to share that... Um, I had a conversation this past Saturday afternoon as I'm sitting in my front yard weeding. My neighbor's walking up the street, and we both wave hello. That's about the extent of our relationship, except for one conversation, because we've both been busy with our families, work, etc. I do know, however, that she is a psychologist. Anyhow, she stops in our yard, and we catch up about our lives and she asked me what I'm doing with my time since my children left home. I told her that I volunteer for the past few years for the nonprofit Lives in the Balance and explain what the organization is about. 
she tells me that she had just had lunch with a friend the day before who has an 11-year-old challenging son. I won't list the diagnoses, but instead say that he has many problems in living and seems to be lagging behind in lots of skills. Her friend was at her wit's end, completely out of energy, and didn't even like her son anymore. My neighbor had been thinking about her friend all day and was at a loss on how to help this mom. I gave her an overview of collaborative problem solving, including its philosophy, children do well if they can, and the emphasis that the child had a developmental delay of sorts and was lagging behind in skills in the areas of flexibility, adaptability, frustration tolerance, and problem solving. Once one uses the important tool, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, as a discussion guide to determine the lagging skills and identify highly specific unsolved problems, the parent and child work together through Plan B to solve the problem, and the challenging behavior would likely subside, or if the problem remains unsolved, return to plan B and work out together another realistic solution. And what I love about the model is it does not make the child the problem. It's a family problem, school problem, residential treatment center problem. Now, this is the really exciting part for me. My neighbor asked if she would be all right if she gave her friend my phone number and I could talk to her since, as some of you know, I was in a similar situation and have my own challenging child. Of course, I said I would be delighted, explaining that I can't counsel, though I do have a nursing license, but I would be more than happy to help. The point is is that there is an enlightened different way to deal with challenging behavior that works. And when applied, it's important for parents and children to give this approach a try, especially what you're doing now isn't working. In fact, it's probably making things worse. Using the collaborative problem-solving approach gives one hope. I love it. Good. Good. Have you gotten a phone call? Uh, no, not yet. Um, boy, there's no one better equipped to help parents of behaviorally challenging kids know what they got and what they're in for than somebody who's been down that road. Mm-hmm. And you've been down that road. Twice, in fact. Indeed. Mm-hmm. What, um, of course, you need to hear what the person's dealing with, but generically, mm-hmm. what pearls of wisdom do you think you'll offer? And by the way, here's the neat part. you got three kids. You've been down the road twice. Um, that says, something must have happened that was okay with the one who wasn't so challenging. Um, so often 
parents of behaviorally challenging kids get blamed for the fact that their kids are behaviorally challenging, which always leaves me mystified about how those exact same parents have well-behaved kids in their households. But any thoughts on generic pearls of wisdom that you wish somebody had offered you when you were first starting to go through everything that you went through with your behaviorally challenging kids? Um, I think by trying a different way and using collaborative problem solving, I, you know, previously had been running on fumes. Our our family was in a perpetual state of crisis, um, and my gas tank, so to speak, was on empty. But as I said, the model gives one hope and and it there is no magic pill. It doesn't happen overnight and the problems, you know, didn't appear overnight either. But through this process of listening and understanding and working with your child um, it slowly starts to restore your energy and helps you help your child does that make sense it does Kathy, any pearls that you might have wished people had uh, given you as you were beginning down this road? Well, I think a couple of things came to mind when you asked that question of Susie. I was thinking um, of the children do well if they can, and that's a really important mind shift, I think, that... um, so often people are quick to label kids as manipulative and um, deceitful or um, all kinds of labels for their behavior. Um, and if, if if you have that mind shift, um, then you see that the child can't do any better because they're, they have lagging skills. And that allows you to step back quite a bit and say, okay, you know, what skills are are we missing here? The the other thing that's really helpful is, um, and I used this just the other day, was um, Plan C. I mean, people think that they have to manage every bit of challenging behavior that they get all day or everything that their child's doing that's not the way they would like it to. And just the other day, um, my son's current school wanted him to have sneakers for gym and I wrote back and said that those are plan C for me right now. You know, we're trying to get him to go on this hike, and he needs shoes for that as well. An update on this is that he hasn't worn anything other than Crocs or um, Bogs, these winter boots, for two years. So he doesn't wear shoes. Mm-hmm. And the school came back and said, do you want us to help on the shoes for the safety? And I wrote back and said, no, it's plan C. I'm going to work on it for the hike first. 
and just letting them know that I, you know, wasn't going to rise to each problem and make it into a, a big case. Um, because if you do that, then the kid just shuts down if, if you're demanding too many things. Right. You have to prioritize Well, and what you're um, working on. I was struck by this this morning as I was talking with somebody who's involved in a research project on the model. And um, the, the, the kid who she's helping the family with just has an astronomical number of unsolved problems. They've just piled up over time. And um, the, the temptation is to try to solve them all at once. Mm-hmm. which pretty much guarantees that you will end up solving none at all because no one can work on that many things at the same time. I find that the capacity for kids and parents and teachers is about two or three at a time of things that they can work on. And uh, that means that the rest are Plan C. Now, the the great thing about Plan C, those are the ones we're not even working on right now, is that uh, the ones we're not working on right now should, shouldn't should set in motion challenging episodes anymore because they've been removed from the kids' radar screen. These are the expectations that we don't even have at the moment. Um, and that can be very stabilizing early on. But, Kathy, I hear what you're saying. The, the, the gist of what you're saying is that one very important pearl of wisdom is to stop trying to not feel the necessity to change everything all at once because that's the best way to make things worse. A a lot of parents that I work with, that's one of the most important things I communicate to them is y'all aren't going to fix all of this stuff at once. You know that, don't you? And some of them will say, um, some of them are shocked, like they were feeling like, they wish there was some way to solve them all in a week, right? They just hadn't found that way yet. So uh, always nice to know that there is no way to solve all of the problems that have accumulated over time in one week. That's that's a big favor I can do parents. And another big favor is I'm giving them permission to say, you know what, for this kid, we're going to have to drop some stuff right now uh, and start prioritizing and really give – meaningful thought to what it is that we're going to work on and what it is that we're not because we've been beating our heads up against the wall trying to solve all these things at once and there's behaviorally challenging kids who have 30 unsolved problems that have accumulated over time uh good luck solving all of those at once two or three but that's i think that's great that's a great pearl others Susie, you want to weigh in on that one um i think i also wanted to add that it's important whoever is coming in contact with the child that everybody's on the same page um, and that the adult who is helping the child through collaborative problem solving communicates to grandparents and relatives, friends who um, are well-meaning but might um, continue with conventional wisdom in terms of you're just letting the kid get by and you're not 
punishing or consequencing. Um, you're not teaching the kid who's boss. So I think you have to be really strong and pick a philosophy and stick with it and sort of, you know, try to communicate your best to others. But um, expect that you'll get some feedback on how what you're doing with your child. Because, unfortunately, uh, collaborative problem solving is not yet um, the way to um, help children. It's getting there, but it's we're not there yet. I've got a, a subsection of that uh, pearl, and that is um, don't expect the grandparents or the coaches or whoever to come along quickly. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. Number one, they probably won't. Some do. Mm-hmm. They probably won't, and they haven't been living your pain. So they may not be as ready to hear it. A lot of um, people are sort of bystanders, and it's a lot, um, you know, sometimes the uh, persuasion part is a lot easier if people have been in, and I'm not saying this lightly, people have been struggling and in pain for such a long time. Uh, They're ready to abandon the beliefs that contributed to that pain and that struggle. Bystanders haven't been quite experiencing that pain, haven't necessarily given the matter anywhere nearly as much thought, and therefore can be expected, some surprise us, but can be expected to not come along so quickly with the new ideas. Mm-hmm. My bet is that both of you may have experienced that firsthand. Yes. Yes, I think with uh, with the schools are my most challenging areas. Trying to get the schools to to buy in, um, and we now uh, part of our battle is we now have uh, collaborative problem solving written into my son's IEP um, because our former district was willing to let any kind of behavior plan just be up to chance and up to whatever dis- whatever out of district placement that he had just would just well let let's let them decide and and so part of what we went to due process over was to make sure that collaborative problem solving and no restraints uh was put written into his IEP wow good for you um if you feel like it i'd love to see that IEP because there's people who would love to see not that I'll put yeah, it up on the website without your permission, but I'd love to see it because there's people who would love to see what a an IEP that has collaborative problem solving written into it would look like. Um, okay. I've been working on trying to, and I would, you know, modify it so that nobody knew, but or even make it. We'll have to see what it looks like, but uh, a lot of people would love to see what an IEP looks like with collaborative problem solving written into it. Um, so. Feel free to send it to me, but then we'll have a discussion about okay. Okay. whether you're comfortable with us doing anything with it next. What a great idea. idea. Yeah, well, we need, we need a sample of the uh, of an IEP up there. We need a sample 
uh, behavior intervention plan up there. I'm working on those, and we are extremely close. Technology is getting in the way here. We are extremely close to having sample of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems up on the website um, for, for school and home so that people can see what writing in those unsolved problems is actually supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And those are those are just inches away from being posted on the Lives in a Balance website, but we have a slight technological holdup there, but those are on the front burner as well. Um, I think we have time for what I was going to talk about and just get your reaction to it. I, too, Susie, was having a conversation just yesterday with somebody who was saying to me that, It sure would be nice to find a way to hold parents of behaviorally challenging kids accountable for their kids' challenging behavior. And the proposal of this individual was that parents be fined money. Wouldn't it be nice if the school system or the court system, this reasoning went, had some way of fining parents for their behaviorally challenging kids as sort of a wake-up call to get them to take responsibility for their kids' challenging behavior. And I was thinking, wow, um, we got grist for the discussion mill for tomorrow's parenting panel, parents' panel. Um, the problem is we don't have that much time left, only about three and a half minutes, but and we can always come back to it next time. But what do you all think? Do, do you as parents of behaviorally challenging kids need to be held responsible so that you'll take your children's problems more seriously? Wow. I when I heard that, I was just um I'm assuming that that person hasn't walked a mile in anyone's shoes um as far as how much time we spend on this and how much effort and resources. And not to mention that they don't sound like they're familiar with um the idea the regulations, federal regulations regarding um, special education. It just sounds like they were clueless. <laughs> Susie, what do you think? I, I, you know, I was writing it down as you were speaking, and I was just appalled. It, it there aren't even the words for me to, to say how responsible we have been in trying to help our challenging child um as Kathy was saying the uh just the time and the energy and financially um all those ways uh trying to make things better and and then penalizing us further um i i'm interested how you responded i responded by saying that being punitive 
generally speaking, solves none of the problems that set the stage for parents to be involved in helping their kids. Being punitive wouldn't fix that. Mm -hmm. And that the vast majority of parents I know who have behaviorally challenging kids would love nothing better than to be involved in the process of making things better. Many of them aren't exactly sure how. And many of them don't receive a great deal of encouragement because they're being blamed for their children's challenging behavior. And fining them would only make things worse. But now I'm sorry that we began talking about this today because we're out of time. So I'm thinking we might come back to this on the next parents panel on this program. Let -hmm. me thank you both for participating again today. I'm loving these programs, and I hope our listeners are as well. So thanks to you both. Thank you. We'll be back with you both again next month. You bet. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.